and I haven't seen anything. It, sometimes I feel like it's sad, but I feel like the human mind is so much more powerful. And I feel like the fact that we're here is enough to tell me that there's something special among us. Hello, the internet. You're listening to Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. This is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. Um, I'm Luke T. Harrington, award-winning author of both fiction and nonfiction, but not an award-winning podcaster. I don't even know if there are awards for podcasting. There, there probably are. Someone look into that and, and, and nominate my show. Um, you nominate it for best quasi-philosophical podcast where a former horror novelist who thinks he's funny rambles on about silly stuff. Um, but hey, uh, speaking of my career as a horror novelist, um, it is once again October. This is our third October episode, if you include our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers. And keeping with my won't. I decided to do all spooky people all month long. Um, so let me tell you a story. Back in 2016, when I published my first novel, Ophelia Alive, I put it out with a little tiny uh, horror press out of Cincinnati called Postmortem Press, which has since closed. Um, but at the time, there was another promising writer uh, writing for them, publishing her first novel with them. It was called Santa Muerte. Uh, the author was named Cynthia Palayo, and she was kind enough to write a little blurb for uh, my debut, which I really appreciated. Um, and anyway, long story short, she has gone on to build quite a career for herself, publishing several more books, several more short stories, um, and amassing really quite a dedicated following on Twitter. Um, I, of course, have done none of those things, <laughs> but... Um, I don't know. Maybe someday. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. I have signed with an agent to represent my fiction. So eventually I will publish a second novel. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, anyway, Cynthia is a wonderful person, a good friend, and I was really glad to uh, have her come on the show. And she, and again, keeping with our spooky theme, told me about how her views on the existence of ghosts have changed. Um, so she's a great interview, great person. I will flip you over to her and I will see you on the other side. Uh, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. This is exciting. For anyone who doesn't know, Cynthia Palayo is the author of several novels including Santa Muerte and Children of Chicago just published the poetry collection Into the Forest and All the Way Through something of a rising star in the horror world if uh, my experiences on Twitter are at all accurate you seem like you're amassed your own little crowd of fans there <laughs> a little uh, it's been a little daunting lately yeah I've always kind of prided myself in being um a somewhat private individual and <laughs> with that I've always kind of prided myself that I can kind of say what I want and do what I want 
but <laughs> as you gain a greater following i've learned the hard way i mean you have to be very cautious of uh you know just navigating navigating the world now because so many people are kind of looking to me and i don't want to disappoint like breeders <laughs> or kids or librarians you know i suppose it's, yeah it's a new responsibility i think for sure for sure there's actually something i've been dying to ask you about and i hope this doesn't hope you don't feel mobbed or whatever but um back in june there was something weird that happened like i i was only tangentially aware of this but shall we call it i hate this word because it's like super overused by people i don't want to associate with myself with but cancellation i know very little about this i i just i logged onto twitter one night and there was this tweet from you that was like okay i give up i'm canceling the book i'm canceling everything i'm doing i'm leaving twitter and i i was like what what happened what's going on and then the next morning I found a blog post about it. Apparently it was a, a, what do you call it? An anthology you were working on called Cops and Monsters that apparently the internet thought was the most offensive thing they'd ever heard of. It was. And that's, that's about all I know, except like soon you, you were back on Twitter and it seemed like business is normal. So I was just like, what happened? <laughs> it was just a very strange. I mean, I work, you know, work on, you know, sometimes I edit works and i've been pretty busy and janine pipe who is another horror and the uh, horror writer in the, in the community she is super lovely like one of the sweetest people there and she's been coordinating quite a few anthologies and she uh, is from london and she's a former law enforcement um, individual herself mm -hmm. and i had recently published children of chicago which is a detective horror fairy tale and i'm a crime writer also so i am a member of the mystery writers association and the crime writers of color and she was like would anybody be interested in publishing this concept i have and it was still we were still really in conceptual stage it was going to be kind of like a creature feature i really don't do creature features that's not my interest really but sure. i thought well i can let janine run with the idea and she can coordinate the writers and people we, you know, we didn't, you know, I, I'm not tapped into the news each and every mm -hmm. hour, every day. Mm -hmm. It happened to be the same week as the, I believe this, the, the, the sentencing of. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a, you know, a case, a major case that, um, and so there was, timing was wrong. We didn't realize what was, that it was, you know, the, the timing of uh, the George Floyd court case was that week. And so people took it that we were being insensitive, which looking back yes i i realized that what what was going on that week and i felt embarrassed but then you know there was a lot of i think misidentification of who i am and what i believe in that was very upsetting and very threatening mm. to me and my belief systems and it's kind of like this was literally just going to be a goofy book <laughs> did it have yeah, yeah. like going to be like cops versus like squids or it wasn't like anything politically charged at all. There could have been scenarios where the police were the op bad person. And I mean, the Children of Chicago is a novel where the officer is a bad person. And so it was the barrage of attacks, anonymous, many anonymous, that just kind of was like too much mentally to manage. And that was part, that's just part of the learning process, I want to say. <laughs> Holy hell, it was like a crash course in like managing my own crisis communication and um i needed to step back and really just be like this was just like a simple it wasn't intended to harm anybody so it just became a thing <laughs> really yeah for thing. sure 
fiery sure. thing really fast and it just like was very dangerous for a minute there for me because of threats that I was getting and so it was like what is going on and so I think it taught me to unfortunately because of that I have to be so careful about now what projects I say I'm going to be involved in and mm -hmm. that, that's kind of sad because so now I have to run every single idea that comes across my way I run it by my people <laughs> now <laughs> and every single tweet that I tweet I have to like really kind of think it through and for days I mean it's it's been yeah where it's kind of like it's it's hard it's i can't just kind of be on their social media and be like my you know very bohemian spirit freak um, so that's um it's sad i feel like a lot was taken from me like i can't be silly and go on there and crack jokes anymore and i can't, I, I don't even interact with people anymore the way i used to because of that situation so there were like news articles being written about me there yeah. were reports Orders that were like um, digging through my social media and like no kidding. so it was like and, and through my blog posts and it became very like it was like a violation of like my privacy and my rights and so I mm. kind of felt like wait that was the moment where I was like I guess I'm no longer the private <laughs> private person and so it's um I had to step out of social media for a little bit to really think about is this writing thing worth it when you're so much under a microscope and it's for sure. scary it's freaking scary well, i guess you i guess you landed on yes because yeah, <laughs> you're still around yeah, and i had to like really change the way i talk to people communicate with people um i have to be so guarded i have a new agent because of that entire situation mm. my agent's now like your job is just to write you don't do anything just write you be careful you know and so i, I yeah. feel like i have more of a barrier between me and the public and i don't always write about like I, I don't always write about like law enforcement even though you know i'm a crime writer i write you know a range of things and so i kind of felt like i became identified as this type of like um, propagandist and it's like I live in inner city Chicago. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I got, you know, I protest every single, you know, injustice that I see that's involved with the law enforcement. So I feel like there was this, there's this disconnect of people, what people thought I was. And then I had to realize that you can't fight every fight. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to me how we somehow went from, we have a problem a systemic problem with policing in this country, which is true to you shouldn't write about cops at all. Like, I just, yeah. yeah. I feel like, you know, when, when we have um, systems that are problematic, we really have to look at them from all angles. Right. And I thought that by having myself as a Latina woman and having Janine as a former law enforcement officer who lives from a different country, yeah have you know that with they, their approach might be a little different i and then i really wanted to have like input from people on what they thought like for example i the story i was thinking about i wanted to write a, a an alternate universe type story where law enforcement doesn't even exist and what does that mm -hmm. mean when a community polices or you know maintains its own protective systems and i feel like um we have to kind of like be able to, as artists, we're going to explore some things that are, I mean, uncomfortable. That's part of what we do. And yeah. um, 
I never go into writing something with the intent of hurting or harming people. I mean, I, I feel like I try to be as clear to individuals that I wasn't doing this to harm. It was just like mm -hmm. a, to, to, what I just thought was just like a silly kind of, you know, Godzilla <laughs> kind of yeah. stuff. It's not going to be anything like um, politically motivated at all. I don't really do, I don't really write um, politically motivated type stories i think most of my stories deal with um spirituality and, mm -hmm. grief and mourning um i do talk about i guess with children of chicago that my argument there was you know i guess it was in a sense that um you just i guess it was political in a sense when I, my, my argument there was you can't always trust individuals in positions of power mm -hmm. that, are, that are meant to protect mm -hmm. you so but i mean i explore a lot of different things in my writing i feel like that's what's interesting about being a creator. We should have the flexibility to kind of explore different ideas. Not to get preachy, but I think that's what makes for compelling fiction is to let characters be characters and behave in ways that are consistent with who they are and not designed to teach a preconceived moral, right? Like that's what- I, I love writing bad people. Yeah. Because I feel like so many of our stories have been, you know, here's this good guy, there's our hero, we're going to follow him along and see all these bad things happen to him and see him come out at the, on the other side, on the other side. But I want to explore the psychology of the villain, like why sure. do people do the awful things that they do? And um, that's, that, that's not always a popular <laughs> story with audiences because it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable yeah. to read about a murder <laughs> and i mean mm -hmm. we've done it like in movies like it's like we see it all the time we see you know even like with monster movies i mean freddy krueger you know michael myers it's like mm -hmm. Ethan, like we see these bad characters all the time and we're forgiving of yeah that narrative why aren't you know like let's let's see and explore other bad people like what what the hell's in their brain that makes them yeah. awful all right well as interesting as that is we're not here to talk about that <laughs> um we're gonna keep with our spooky theme that we've had going all october which is uh y you told me you wanted to talk about your changing views on ghosts like you once believed in ghosts and now you're less sure is that is that accurate or <laughs> i feel like I have seen a lot of strange things, so I want to admit, I grew up Catholic. My mother is very, 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 very religious, and I have memories of, um, there was an exorcism in our house, for example, I must have been like five or six, um, and I don't really recall the specifics, but I remember in adulthood at some time, at some time I asked my mother, like, this was real, right? There was an exorcism in our house. And she's like, yes, there was. But that's it. That's kind of like where they left it. Um, was there like I puking know, pea greens, pea soup and crab walking downstairs? It was an exorcism <laughs> on our house. They oh, oh, an exorcism the of the house. Okay. Of the house. And so I was, I was small. So it's yeah. hard for me to to say these were the things that were really happening. But from what my, what my memory tells me is that there used to be a lot of strange activity in our house. There used to be the sound of people talking upstairs, the sound of people running back and forth and doors slamming, 
windows opening and then uh, we had an exorcism in the house. You know, so we lived like in a two flat home and my cousins lived upstairs with my grandfather and we lived like on the first floor in like the basement, like that's where that was like our space. And so, I don't know, I don't know. I remember that those were the memories that, that was told about the house. And so I always, like my parents used to tell me ghost stories. They, my parents are very superstitious. Like there was this always this idea of don't speak things into existence. And so mm -hmm. don't, if you see something strange, don't talk about it. If you, you know, with, with, with regards to spirituality, them being very religious, of course, that was part of my makeup. And so, you know, just a lot of stories regarding religion and what is possible, you know, that was all part of my, my upbringing. As I got older, I became very fascinated with ghost hunting. I don't know if mm -hmm. people remember like, the peak of like ghost with you know the collection of ghost hunter shows and there was all this like ghost hunting everything and so i was always fascinated with like cemeteries and as a young person i would like to go to cemeteries i would take tape recorders with me i would like i used to like to visit all of like the local i mean every single town every single community has like a collection of grave to gravestones that something happens there and so i mean i've done quite a bit of that like going to locations going to abandoned houses going to i've tried i've traveled a lot in my life and i'm very blessed that i've had the opportunity to travel to so many countries and that's always like one thing that i do like every single time we go to a new location i always want to visit the most haunted place there <laughs> i want to go to like these creepy places so like london going to the tower of london we went to um the sedlick ossuary in czech republic which is a bone church yeah yeah there's like and it's wild and these places have this amazing like distinct smell peru machu picchu there's stories of like you know orbs even in chicago where i live i feel like i've been to every single top haunted location quote unquote in the city <laughs> of chicago i've taken thousands of photos thousands of like recorded things um i've been to like the vaults in scotland where and i don't know i don't think that through all all of it and i've been in some weird situations i've been and because and through my you know what i would say is like my journey and i even wrote an art um i wrote an essay about this in the southwest review last year that was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. And I could talk about some of the stuff that I covered in that art, that essay. <laughs> but because of that, because of my fascination with exploring what is out there, I have friends that are voodoo priests. I have friends that are in various religious systems and I've been able to go to ceremonies and watch those and partake in them. I mean, there's all the whole collection of like, you call them dangerous games to play at night. They're like the light is a feather sword, <laughs> uh, Bloody Mary. What is that? I have like a, I have a list of the ones. I feel like if you've heard of it, I probably have done it or have been participant in it, and I have yet to see anything unfold. Um, hmm. And so I really, really, really believed in it when I was younger, and I don't know if it's because. The adults around me believed in it so much. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just fa I'm fascinated with people's belief in things. And I've said before, I want I want to believe in things. And I feel like um, 
I feel like we are spiritual beings <laughs> um, having a human experience. So I do feel like I still have, I have this longing to believe in things, but I've been in, I've like sat in haunted houses, abandoned haunted houses for like hours on the floor and with the tape recorder going and you know more <laughs> like you must be terrified when you do that and it's like well no, i'm more terrified that it's cold or there's a spider <laughs> or some weird guys that'll walk in but i've done some really cool things and have seen cool things i've seen i mean i've gone to like um pentecostal churches just to see people mm. become moved by the holy spirit and i it's fascinating and i'm just like there, like so <laughs> tuned into it and i I love to see these experiences unfold, but I, I think the closest thing that I, and it's maybe, maybe it's not just ghosts, but maybe it's just like the whole realm of other things. But I think I, I said in the essay that I need to believe that the, the closest thing that I feel like in my adulthood, and I can, and it could just be coincidence because I kind of like brush it so much away to coincidence. And my friend who's a voodoo priest, <laughs> <laughs> my friend who's a voodoo priest it's not a secret but i've had I had, a, I had a collection of miscarriages through my adulthood my last miscarriage like i just the, the medical professionals were like you're gonna miscarry you have to prepare mm. go home and just prepare you're, you're gonna mm. lose this child and i went to see like the first thing i went i went to go see my friend who's a voodoo priest because i was just like if something exists i need to know what it, it, what's going on you know he asked me he's like are you prepared to know what that Rome wants you to know and I said yes and he told me he's like well this child you're going to lose this child I see this child and he is your angel this child is going to be your angel for the rest of your life um and I remember him describing him as I see him surrounded by rainbow light and he's with your he had accurately described my, um, and it's just like, again, I don't know because he's my friend. So maybe he knew he had described male figures, which is like, well, everybody has male figures in their family. But I believe that to my grandfather and my uncle. And so I lost the child. And when I was pregnant with my son that I did have, um, I went to see my voodoo priest friend. <laughs> again, <laughs> and I was probably only four months pregnant and I was not visibly pregnant. And he when he saw me when I walked into his house, he's like, he is strong. He just kind mm -hmm. of said, I see this child and he is strong. And so that is the most interesting thing that has happened to me. Um, not the ghost thing. I've read a lot about people's experiences with seeing ghosts. And I think a lot of it is we want to see ghosts. We want to mm -hmm. have these experiences. They tend to happen from what I've read. They tend to happen a lot when people are waking up in the morning, mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. connected to that dream state, or when you're going to go to sleep, or when you visit a location that you have a very strong emotional connection to. And it's just like, oh my God, I went to grandma's house and I saw her sitting in her chair. It's like, well, did you? Mm -hmm. Or is your brain kind of tapped into that memory of seeing her there? So yeah, and it's funny because on the one, and then it's important to say that I, I am getting a doctorate in psychology and I don't know if it's because of that that I have kind of let go of this, but by getting that, by studying that, I almost believe more so that we are more, that we are really, I do believe we're very spiritual people. I, I mean, I think humans, humans just have a drive to be spiritual and to be connected to this idea of believing and i feel like we have 
this amazing power of influencing things with our brains. I mean, not like telekinesis or anything, but I feel like humans have a power to shift our reality. If you want to be positive, I think if you know you take on these positive thoughts. So I, I kind of believe that more. Mm -hmm. But I am almost less believing of ghosts. And I want hmm. to believe them because I think it's so interesting. And as a horror writer, I do write a lot about ghosts. I tend to have a lot of my characters come to terms with ghostly identities. And I feel like those people that they see and encounter are like manifestations of grief. I, I used to really believe that I'm like, there's going to be a ghost. We're going to see one. Look at this orb in this photograph. And I'm like, <laughs> it, was dust. <laughs> it was just dust in that picture or a water droplet. And I have a lot of strange things. And film and audio, but I've, I've learned to scrutinize them more and just not believe, sorry. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like what sort of things have you caught on film and audio? I caught, uh, I did catch a piano playing. It's interesting. And in, um, a location where there should ha not have been, well, there were musical instruments in the building. Um, mm -hmm. And so I caught something that sounded like music. I was like, well, well, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was a car outside. So I caught, yeah. I caught that. Um, and I'm sure someone's listening to this is like, no, that was a ghost. What is wrong with you? I've caught a lot of orbs. I caught an orb that had like a face that looked like I had a face above. So it was an orb above my head. So it was a picture of me and my father that was taken by my husband at um, an abandoned house. It was my grandfather's abandoned house. And so we went to this house and we wanted to take a picture of it and it was abandoned. And there was an orb right above my head. And as you zoomed in, you could see like a image of a woman in that orb. And so someone might I mean, that's pretty that. striking. Yeah. It was pretty creepy. But yeah. then I was like, well, is that a reflection of me? <laughs> or a reflection of, or I mean, it was a very um, wooded area. Sure. So that was a really cool one. But then I kind of said, well, could it just be, I believe that we will, as humans, we are, we look for patterns. That's mm -hmm. part of our thinking and the human brain is amazing. And so if you want to see, I mean, people who are scared of demons and there's a lot of people that are just like, you hear demons and it's like, they're terrified. Um, you know, there are people that will find the number 666 and things and just kind of become terrified and say, <laughs> well, that's, that's demonic. Oh my gosh. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> numbers, I mean, numbers are just, you know, you're looking for patterns and things. So I saw the, so the orb. I saw the, uh, the other most striking thing that I was like, well, it's probably a trick of the light. Um, <laughs> so here in Chicago, I believe in 1915, there was a boat that capsized a ship, a passenger ship, and the Chicago River it was called the SS Eastland, and we call it like the Titanic of the Midwest, and 800 people drowned there at um, in this location in the um, Chicago River. And I went as a in a ghost hunting tour because I used to do a lot of ghosts. I did, I, you name the ghost hunting tour, I've done them everywhere, like London and Seattle. I, I love that stuff because I love, I'm so fascinated by it, but I, there was a picture that I captured that looked like a woman from her shoulders up in the water. Mm. But then I was like, I really believed it then. 
I really was like, whoa, because this is in my youth. I was more young. I was like, this is a woman. Oh my gosh, there's a ghost there. And then, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, well, it's probably the lights. Like, there's so many lights <laughs> shining down on the Chicago River from these tall buildings above. And it was probably the moon was probably out. So I feel like we look for patterns in things. That's part of human brain. I mean, it's brilliant mm-hmm. really the way we think. Yeah, I definitely. Um spent a lot of years as a spooky kid obsessed with true stories of the paranormal or whatever just reading every book from the library I could find on the stuff and yeah there's there is something fascinating about it I personally have never had any experience that's at all out of the ordinary like (laughs) based on my own personal experience like I have no reason to believe in anything other than the physical world I guess um but I do find that stuff interesting. I don't know. I've said this before on the show. I think, I think what, what eventually bores me about this stuff, as fascinating as I find it, as I can find it for short bursts, what eventually bores me about it is it never seems like it actually matters all that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people will be like, my house was haunted. I heard voices and everything. And you're like, and then what happened? And they're like, and then it stopped. You know, <laughs> and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's just the survivor bias, the availability heuristic, like people that actually got dragged down to hell or whatever, aren't there to tell the story. I don't know, but <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? Glad, I'm glad you brought that up because that's part of why I was just like, okay, so, and I, and I love this stuff. I do love this stuff. I love reading about the paranormal. I love I just love this stuff. It's just really fascinating. And it's usually connected to like history or folklore. Um, sure. And so I'll sure. consume it and I kind of get tired of it. But then I thought, okay, so if they're ghosts, then what? Mm. Then what? Um, and so I feel like a lot of it has been people trying to explain our existence. Like, well, and of course, I mean, I think the biggest fear that one of our biggest fears as humans is the fear of death and the fear of like, well, what else is there? You know, what Mm -hmm. is there afterwards? And that's the one thing nobody can answer for us definitively. Nobody can say, okay, well, here's your itinerary after you die. (laughs) Yeah. And, And so I kind of started thinking, okay, if there were ghosts, what would that tell me? And would that tell me that we continue? And like my spiritual belief is that we are energy. And I believe personally that energy does not end, that we continue on some way in some form. And I mean, I think I'm okay with that. And maybe that's part of it that I really wanted to believe in ghosts for such a long time to kind of explain well, what happens afterwards. And my I can't say this. My husband's like an atheist, like a hundred percent. He does not believe in anything. Nothing exists. He thinks it's as soon as you die, the light switch turns off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost like for me that that's a sad. That's that would be sad to, mm-hmm. to believe that. And so I. And that's why I always say, well, I want to believe in something. Um, yeah, for people that are just so like wrapped up in, well, you know, you just see like this obsession and it's like, well, what's more amazing that you, your brain can tell you to move your limbs without thinking <laughs> or belief in a ghost? Like, what is that? What does that, what does that tell you? What, what, what does that satisfy for someone to believe that there's a ghost? Okay. Grandma's still stuck in the house. Well, what, then what? Like, well, what's, what's the point? 
Like, yeah. <laughs> plus, I think it's almost egotistical to think that somebody would die someplace and that's just kind of where they want to hang out. <laughs> like, they don't just yeah. want to hang out on their old, like, lazy boy. Like, they're going to go somewhere more amazing or profound. At least, I, you know, I would think that. But I don't, again, I don't think that. I think what we experience when we go, and I will say this, like the places that I've gone, um, Gettysburg, the, you know, Scotland vaults, um, you know, some of these places where a lot of people have died. I have had, you know, emotions and feelings. And I think it's the knowing that mm-hmm. so many people died within an instant at this location. It's so sad to think that you know now it's just a patch of grass or now it's just an abandoned building and um for example there's a in the northwest side of chicago here there was this huge asylum huge 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 asylum it's there's nothing there now there's not even a marker indicating that there was an asylum there there's really little documentation you can find about this location and it's just the thought of how many people suffered there and died there and we will never know their story and like for me that's what's heartbreaking i did go ghost hunting there and i didn't find anything so (laughs) for me that's what i feel like when i go to these locations i feel sadness yeah i keep running into this idea that the reason like this question of like why do people have this desire to believe in ghosts which is definitely a interesting question like it i don't know why people have a desire to believe in ghosts but i keep running into this answer that a lot of people give that's like well we don't want to believe that death is the end mm-hmm. and it's like that's probably true but is it that we would really do we would we really rather believe that after death we're just like stuck in this creaky old house rattling chains and moaning forever like is that really comforting to people like that explanation doesn't quite cut it for me you know what i mean that doesn't, it just doesn't, like, I'm not, like, okay, you know, this dead person's not sitting here, like, you know, moving the curtains <laughs> for you. It's like, that, that's the last thing they would want to do. I just don't know. I I don't know. You're right. I don't know what it satisfies for someone. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of, I just think there's a lot of fascinating belief systems out there. Um, and what they believe happens to or the, what they believe is the soul or what they believe is the spirit or what they believe are angels or demons and, you know, intelligencies. And I'm just kind of like, well, it's all fascinating. And I'll kind of go along with it. And like I said, I've gone to places where people are doing things and chanting. I mean, I have participated in all sorts of like events and rituals to see like, is anything going to happen? And nothing has happened <laughs> nothing has happened <laughs> boards, people are like oh I, I always love when that kind of comes up on social media like i would never have a ouija board in my house or people saying these things i've had ouija boards and i'm just like, like there's nothing nothing's happening at all um i've done the whole um like i said that light is a feather stick as a board there's um all these straight, you know, summoning spirit games. There's all these like weird cookie things. I'm sorry if I say cookie, but there are all these like strange things that people have done in order to get some sort of reaction from the spirit world. And, you know, there's been, there's angelic summonings and demonics. I've done all this stuff and I have not 
had any experience to tell me that something exists that's manipulating things. And I know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure if a priest is listening, they're probably like, oh my gosh, your soul's in jeopardy for all of the stuff you've done. But um, I mean, I'm totally okay. I'm totally fine. I just, uh, it's been fascinating to see people's belief in it and their fear yeah. of these things. It's like, all right, I got this demonic sigil. I mean, you know, I'm going to try to raise this thing. <laughs> People are like, you're crazy. And it's, there's nothing that I've seen. So fascinating. I think that, you know, there's, there's mm. books and grimoires and magical systems that have existed. And there's like academic studies of these things. I mean, I think there's like a PhD now. People can get like an esoteric studies in like Amsterdam. And it's all very fascinating. Um, but I haven't seen anything. Sometimes I feel like it's sad, but I feel like the human mind is so much more powerful. And I feel like the fact that we're here is enough to tell me that there's something special among us. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Change My Mind. I will get right back to the conversation you were listening to. But real quick, I want to talk about our Patreon. Uh, We are a listener-supported show, so if you think what we're doing here in fostering difficult conversations about important topics, encouraging open-mindedness, if you think it's valuable, um, I hope you'll consider supporting us. Supporters of the show get all kinds of cool things. They get early access to episodes. They get VIP access to me and my producer, Blake. And most importantly, you'll get access to a bonus episode every month. Uh, This month, I had the privilege of talking to Ben Hansen, who has been a host on several paranormal documentaries for Discovery Channel. Ben's a really cool guy, and he told me about how his thinking has deepened some about the paranormal. Now, I know it's weird because people like to put this label of are you a believer or a skeptic when it comes to paranormal and mm-hmm. UFOs, and I, and I resist the labels um, because I think everybody should be both. And um, my beliefs, however, built on you know, do I, do I think UFOs, aliens visited, or do, do I think that Bigfoot, a a creature that exists, my beliefs, I kind of look at in in percentage of probability Mm -hmm. and kind of like, well, the chances are based on my experience and everything that I've encountered are this and this. To hear the rest of that conversation, go to patreon.com slash changed my mind, where you can become a supporter for as little as a dollar a month. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash changed my mind. Thanks for listening. I will flip you right back over to this week's episode. What about people that have seen things though? I mean, I feel like we all know someone who's convinced they came face to face with some sort of paranormal entity you know i will always ask people like tell me what you saw like i just want to know tell me each and every detail and we went to bachelor's grove cemetery here in illinois and it's like an abandoned cemetery and it's like this little sad kind of scrubby ground it's like an old german immigrant cemetery i think the last person buried there was like in the 60s and like a major road cut it off so you can't even really access it and that place has so many like ghost stories attached to it like people say that the cultists go there and devil worshipers and they found like dead chickens and then it's just like the whole you get you name it they 
said it like Al Capone. There's like a pond there, and people have said Al Capone would dump bodies there. And I was like, let's go. That's my mindset. Because <laughs> I am, I am that friend. I am the friend that hey, let's break into this abandoned cemetery, or let's let's break into like this, you know, old prison. I'm there because I just maybe not break into because I don't want to get arrested. But anyway, I'll access these places. Um, so we sure. went to Bachelors Grove. And we took two of our friends, my husband and I took two of our best friends, and they're both engineers. These people are like, they're just scientists. They work for like, I won't say, but they, they're engineers. They're like the most practical people ever. And so I said, well, I'm gonna take pictures of this headstone that everybody says that this woman appears because her baby died and blah. There's always a story. And then they were like, okay, we're gonna go hike around the area. We'll be back in like a few minutes. We're gonna go take a look like 30 minutes to an hour went by and I'm calling them. They're not answering. And I was like, well, that's great. I don't, my friends probably like broke something, but they're going to blame me. And they appear probably a half an hour to an hour or later. They're completely just shaken. And they say, we have to go. We want to go. We don't want to be here anymore. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what's going on? And they wouldn't tell us what happened until we had to hike back to the car. And we got to, cause they wanted to be in the car. And I was like, well, okay, what, what happened? And they said that they were stuck in a loop where they kept walking around an area and they would come back and they would be in the same area again. And oh they're, professional, they're professional hikers. They live in Minnesota. <laughs> they like hike and they kayak and they do. And I was just like, my reaction was like, let's go back and show me the area. Yeah, and no kidding. Like, no, we want to get as far away from this place as possible. Something was not right. I am 100%. We kept, we were stuck in this loop, right? That is, for them to tell me that, I, I, I still remember it because, I, I mean, they're just, they're brainiacs. They're like scientists at their job. Like they work on like sustainability and electronics and like the things that they do, it's very practical. And so for them to say that, um, they're not even they, they're not even religious people. They're like agnostic. So that was like the most interesting thing that I was like, um, I begged them to take me back, but they they wouldn't. So and I almost wonder like, is the spirit world like playing a trick on me? Like, does it exist? But since it knows that I'm really trying to search for it, they're like, we're not going to show you anything. Um, <laughs> the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, right? Yeah. Is um, As the saying go, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince people he's not real or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. Um, That's a pretty wild story, though. Like, I legit goosebumps listening to that story. I mean. <laughs> I, I was, like, scared. I, what I thought was that they were like, let's get out of here because there's, like, a creepy person or something. That's why yeah, everything yeah. happened. But it was like for them to say we, they were stuck in a loop. That was so fascinating. And I mean, if people tell me, when people tell, for some reason, I have, oh, and so here's the other thing about my family, which I'm sure hopefully not, none of my family listens to stuff that I do. <laughs> there is a belief in my family that um, there is a, a certain level of like psychic ability or like witchcraft ability or something that gets passed on to like the youngest female in, in that particular group. I am the youngest female in my, <laughs> in my family. Um, and so there's, there's always been like these rumors that my, even though my mother's like, like the most Catholic person, I mean, she's just Catholic, Catholic, just it's, <laughs> and it's like her identity is Catholicism. 
Um, but there's, there's always been like whispers around the edges of the family that there's, um, you know, my grandmother was like the town healer and that there's always like, that there's a belief that there's healing abilities that women in my family can um, heal people. And so I've always, I've always thought that was beautiful. And I do know that my grandmother, one of her um, routines is on Wednesdays. And I don't know why it would be Wednesdays, but I was always told by my cousins, Wednesdays, grandma would like lock herself in a room and she would pray for every single person in the family and like mm. pray for their health. And so there's this, there is this very spiritualness in my family. And then there's been rumors that, okay, well, the next person that get, that got the healing ability was my niece. And so she's a natural healer. So I think it's interesting. And you hear this in other in families. You hear, well, that person heard a curse on that person or that person looked at that person bad and they, they got sick. And so you hear a lot of that throughout towns. Um, we have that in my family. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think it's cool. I, you know, these things creep up in my writing, but uh, yeah, I love, I love this stuff. I love talking about it. I don't know if it's real. <laughs> but, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm seriously curious now, because you mentioned your husband is hardcore atheist. Or... <laughs> how does, uh, how do you, how do you guys get along about stuff like that? Like, how does, how does he see your spooky kid tendencies? He thinks, <laughs> he thinks it's fun. I mean, he he doesn't like he doesn't believe in a thing. I mean, I have like voodoo dolls in my house because I've just been <laughs> I've been on this weird spiritual journey my entire life. So I have like voodoo dolls. I have like graveyard dirt. I have, I mean, I could tell you I have like weird stuff in my house. I have, but and so do I believe it works? I mean, I think people believe it works, and I kind of I've always. People have always gifted me weird things because they know I'm fascinated by these things. I have like jars with, I mean, just weird, weird stuff. Um, I used to, I used to, uh, I did have a, I was like on a funeral, funerary art kick for a little bit. People would gift me like funeral plates and my husband was like, okay, no more funeral stuff. It was just too much. So I got rid of, I got rid of a lot as we, when we moved a few years back, but I had a really... I had like a cabinet of curiosity room. It was very strange, um, but I no longer have that um, just because we have children now. And my husband was like, no dead weird things in the house with the kids. Um, <laughs> so he thinks it's interesting. He doesn't believe in any of it. Like, yeah. Um, but he, he kind of tolerates it. Um, okay, here's, here's the follow-up then is if he doesn't believe in any of it, what is he worried about with the kids? I think it's because it was like heavy. A lot of the stuff was like heavy and weird. <laughs> and it would get hurt. Um, yeah. So like the weird taxidermy. Like the weird taxidermy. I think he just didn't want people like. And, and all the taxidermy that I had. I used to have a lot of taxidermy. All the taxidermy that I had was like animals that were already like dead for a long time. Um, sure. I think I think he just didn't want his kids to be like get hurt with weird stuff um, <laughs> or kind of go to grandma's house and be like, mom's got like a funeral, like headstones in her room or things like that. So I thought he was, I think he thought it would just be weird to tell other people. Sure. But, um, yeah, he doesn't, um, he really doesn't believe in any of, of anything. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, our kids are, um, and, and maybe it's also because he wanted to be able to, our children are agnostic. That was one that we decided to raise them that way because I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that um, I didn't want them being atheists like him. I wanted them to understand that people have belief systems and we should respect their belief systems. And I mm -hmm. want our children to know that just because we don't know, does it mean it's wrong or it's not, it doesn't exist. And so that was one, one big discussion that we, we had had before, before having children. I wanted to mm -hmm. make sure that they understood that it was okay if they wanted to choose a spiritual path, mm -hmm. we will support them. But we didn't want to like influence their spiritual path. All right. Well, um, yeah. let me ask you this. Um, aside from your new beliefs themselves, what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind? I think it's allowed me actually to be more curious about, even though I don't believe in a ghost rattling chain or something <laughs> in a room, I feel like being able to, I feel like being able to be understanding of why somebody would want to believe that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I see why people want to believe it. I mean, it's especially when it comes to like losing a loved one and the pain associated, especially, I think that's a big motivation. And so it's made me perhaps a, a pretty kind, much kinder. Um, they're like, well, I don't know. I, I, I would admit, like, I I don't think they exist, but I will not tell someone, hurt someone and say that. Like, I usually keep this pretty kind of private to myself. Um, I think probably uh, saying it recently is probably the first time I've ever kind of admitted that I don't believe it. And it, because I just don't want to hurt somebody. I want them to believe what you're going to believe. I mean, if it doesn't hurt anybody, then it's it's fine. All right. Well, I have um, three questions I ask all of my guests, this being a philosophical podcast, at least according to its classification on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess is what it is now. Uh, first of all, what is identity? Does everybody have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? I think your, your identity is ever evolving. Hmm. I think that I think that we're not we're not a finished product, and I think that when you get stuck in this feeling or belief that this is who you are and that's all that you should be, it's very limiting. Um, we're ever evolving and we're ever shifting, and so I think identity is us learning, learning who we are and what our journey is and it's always and we're always on this journey what is human nature are we all the same deep down are we all different deep down are we all blank slates what do you think i think that we all have the want to love and i think we all want to be loved at our core mm. Think that's part of human nature is our want to make a connection with someone else 
and that want to have that other person make a connection with us. And finally, what is truth? How do you know truth? And how do you know when you found truth? What do you think? This is a hard one. And I think this is one that I don't know. Oh, man. I was but hoping you finally solved that problem for can. me. <laughs> this, is such, this is such a difficult question. And as a scientist myself, I mean, I'm a, by day, I'm a researcher. I'm a research consultant mm -hmm. by day. I work with facts and numbers and logic all day long. And I'm also finishing up my degree in psychology. And if anything, <laughs> this degree in psychology has made me kind of question so much um, about our experience and about, um, I think that there's some universal laws that we, it's difficult to question. <laughs> there, are, there are universal laws. Um, And I mean, when I say something is my truth, you know, that could be something along the lines of this is my experience. I mean, somebody's experience yeah. could be so different from somebody else's experience. And I feel like that's, I feel like that creates so much anger among people is trying to force somebody else to accept this is the truth of the situation when we have to kind of listen a little bit because perhaps my truth isn't necessarily your truth. My experience might not have been your experience. I think you can ask everybody what their experience was in seeing a film and you're gonna get many different ideas. We all saw film. We cannot question that. That is the <laughs> truth, right? There was a film, we all sat down, we all had this experience. But the issue I've noticed is when we all start conveying our opinion about what that film is and forcing that opinion on other people. And I think that that kind of creates this really weird situation. I don't know if that answers anything or just creates more questions. Probably just creates more <laughs> questions. But, um, I feel like there's universal laws. And I feel like there are some facts that we cannot argue, <laughs> mm -hmm. like seeing a film. But in, the, in the, our experience in that situation, that is our individual truths. Uh, Cynthia, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for, so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Before we sign off here, can you tell people uh, where they can find you, where they can find your work? You can find me at Sina, C-I-N-A, Palayo.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Sina Palayo. I'm on Instagram, Sina Palayo Auth. I'm also on TikTok, um, Sina Palayo author. And on TikTok, it's a very strange mishmash because um, I talk about getting my dissertation or working on my dissertation. I talk about my experience with writing horror. I'm not so much of a book talker, but I just talk about things that I'm working on. And then I talk a lot about um, my belief in the power of positive thinking, positive psychology, and affirmations and the power of affirmations. So if you're interested in that, Follow my TikTok where I try to help us think more positive. All right. Yeah. TikTok's definitely one of those things for me that I'm like, is this really yet another thing I have to do? So I have not checked it out aside from. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, like, it's like I'm on 
I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm technically on Instagram, although I almost never use it. And I just do not need one more thing in my life. So <laughs> I get it. It's a lot. Maybe one thing if I was like 14, but I'm not. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like with TikTok, you have to find what works for you. I mean, I, I don't do the dancing or the singing. There's a lot of like <laughs> very, very vaudeville, like a lot of skits and acts. And it's like, I don't yeah. know. Do I just kind of go on and just kind of record an update, a video update. And that's it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Maybe I should do that. It's always fun to yell at the internet. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of like, there's a huge group on TikTok that does like the whole philosophical and you know that aspect, and that's kind of where I kind of hang out. I love this stuff. All right, well, this has been Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. You can email the show at changedmymindpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or at my website, luketharrington.com. And I will see you around. In my days as a spooky kid, <laughs> uh, back when I was, you know, just reading every true ghost story I could get my hands on, um, I encountered what I thought was an interesting and possibly even compelling theory about the nature of ghosts. Um, and I really don't remember where I read this. Uh, but you can um, take it for whatever it's worth. Um, the idea, a hypothesis, if you will, was that the ghosts that people see in certain places are not necessarily literally the wandering spirits of the dead, but rather something like a scar on the time-space continuum. Um and so if it, to put it another way, like something terrible, very sad, very horrible, whatever has happened in this location and it was such a horrible act of violence or whatever that it somehow just put a rip in time space itself and what you're seeing is just the something terrible being replayed over and over again because the universe doesn't know how to handle it or something. Now, I know that's kind of silly and out there. Um, but I, I found it compelling, um, at least as a metaphor, you know what I mean? Um, I appreciated what Cynthia was saying about, you know, places seem to hold moods or whatever. Um, and that's not how she put it. <laughs> However she put it, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've been to Auschwitz um, and the whole time you're there, it just feels like there's this pall of absolute sorrow hanging over the place, you know? And I don't want to say there's like a mystical reason for that necessarily. Um, it's as likely as anything that, you know, everybody visiting knows what happened and everybody is feeling very solemn and being very silent because of that. Um, and that, you know, that, and that's all the explanation you need. 
But I do think that this idea that places can hold this um, tragedy in the air or whatever is probably true, at least on a metaphorical level. Um, and so, you know, in the, in the conversation I was saying, you know, if, <laughs> do people really feel comforted by the idea that there's, uh, you know, there's ghosts that are stuck in places and moaning constantly? Um, and I think the answer to that is obviously no, you know, I mean, there's, there is some truth to be had there that people feel comforted in the idea that they can contact their loved ones, ghosts or whatever. And that's why, how mediums make their money, obviously. Um, but more often than that, I, I wonder if, if ghosts are a metaphor for just the deep, deep sorrow humans have caused each other throughout history and just how unfathomably much of it there is and how we just don't know how to deal with this reality that humans can be truly terrible to other humans. Um, and so I think there is something to that, that, you know, scar on the time space continuum theory, maybe not as literal truth, but certainly as metaphorical truth. Anyway, um, that's it for this week. Thanks so much to Sina for coming on the show. Uh, really had fun talking to her. Um, if you like what I'm doing and you want to support the show, there is a Patreon. Uh, become a Patreon supporter of the show. You get access to all sorts of great stuff. Early access to episodes, access to bonus episodes, uh, VIP access to me and my producer who is just as much fun as I am, I promise. Um, if you don't want to throw money at me, which obviously you do, but if you don't, you can leave a review for me uh, at Apple Podcasts or wherever. Um, every review helps the podcast show up in algorithms. Uh, we did get one more review recently, um, and I'm going to make that person famous. So any username is already. I assume that they, there wasn't room to finish that sentence. Already taken, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, this person's name is any username is already. And they say, this show scratches my philosophical itch and then leaves me pondering even more. Um, which makes me wonder if I've like really effectively scratched that itch for you. Any username is already? I don't know. But I appreciate the five-star review. Thank you. Um, leave me a review. I will make you famous here on the air. Once again, please email any questions or comments to changemymindpod at gmail.com. That's changemymindpod at gmail.com. Change My Mind is executive produced by Blake Collier. It is edited by Jonathan Clausen, and it is presented by the Raven Creek Social Club. I'm Luke T. Harrington. Thank you for listening to Change My Mind. And please don't be afraid to change your mind. Thank you.